0: people-based marketing. And that's where we really have to get to. And I think um, that's going to be the differential uh, as to how we continue to progress when it comes to to data, right? Uh, Today, you know, we're still in this world where it's like, hey, let's go out and and buy these audiences. They haven't engaged with us. We don't know much about them. We can get down to what we think is the right demography, the right psychography, um, the right uh, household composition. Um, But to your point, when You have that understanding of who that customer is, and then you have the understanding of what that customer is about. That experience, right, goes through the roof, which means your re-engagement is going to be in an uptick. You're listening to the Digital Data Cafe podcast, where we talk about everything data-driven in your world. Join us each week to hear from the world's top business and industry leaders on why using data in a digital world matters. Here's your host, Albert Thompson.
1: Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and I am joined by the one, the only, the oh-so-famous Mr. Albert Thompson with Digital Data Cafe.
0: Hey, how's it going,
1: buddy? How you doing?
0: I'm doing good. I don't know about oh-so-famous, but... uh,
1: Yeah, well, you're famous to me. You're Uh, data data famous. Oh, my gosh. Uh,
0: it sounds dirty,
1: doesn't it? Data famous. Data Hey man, thanks for taking the time uh to jam. We're I'm excited to do more of these with you, by the way. Uh guys, this is not necessarily a formal podcast by any means. Um, this is just uh me and Albert. We have a love for the industry, we have a love for data, and we're just gonna have some coffee. And just kind of talk about anything and everything that's just kind of going on in the industry. And I'm I'm excited to do this with you,
0: Albert. Well, Jason, I love it. I'm excited. I like the informal vibe that we're going to do here. Um, and, you know, what's funny about the whole thing is when you came to me and said, hey, let's let's do this coffee jamming. I was like, yeah, let's do this coffee thing. And guess what? I don't even drink coffee. So for me, it's orange juice, but we're going to be doing these coffee jam sessions.
1: Okay. I can't believe you actually don't drink coffee because, guys, I don't know if you've ever spent more than five minutes with Albert. I would have assumed. See, I just learned something about you, man, because I would have assumed that you are caffeinated ninety-seven percent of the time. And that is absolutely amazing. That your energy is actually hundred percent natural because mine's not.
0: Yeah, no, it a hundred percent is, man. It's um, it's so funny. I have to, um, I've gone through a bunch of leadership courses, right? And, um, you know, some of the management courses, you learn uh, a thing about your magic dust, and it's funny because. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I'm notorious for, like self-awareness, right? Totally get it. Totally know it. Um, I move and think and talk at the speed of my mind. And for a lot of people, that's like, whoa. So, uh, yeah, no natural dopamine, man. All natural. I'm impressed, man. I am easily, and I'm,
1: I, I, I'm admitting this on, on, on live TV. So it's good, but I am probably about mm, a pot, maybe a pot and a half. A day. Jeez. That's
0: amazing, man. I like you I'm know, Can coffee. you imagine? Can you imagine Albert caffeinated?
1: That's what I'm thinking right now. Actually, that's what I'm thinking. The fact that you are so naturally energetic like that, I kind of wanna just one day slip you some caffeine, man. I just oh, want to see you know, it reminds me of kind of like it's gotta be one of those like um uh cartoons, right? The Bugs Bunny cartoons, right? When like someone yeah. like you, you drink something and all of a sudden the eyes go and then just like
0: total Tasmanian yeah. devil. Yeah, I like sort see like speedy gonzales. I see like speedy gonzales, like, you know, either that or the other the other thing that kind of just pops in my head is like you know, the, the Seinfeld episode where Cosmo Kramer walks in, like you know <laughs> is, is speedy,
1: is speedy Gonzalez like your spirit animal, if you had to pick
0: Yeah, it's got to be, man. I mean, it's got to be my spirit animal. If you think about my heritage and my background, it all makes sense. I'm just this little speedy mouse, Mexican mouse. That's awesome.
1: I always kind of felt like I was more like a daffy duck, you know? Like, it's just like, I don't know, just always kind of like being like the funny one, you know, but always kind of getting themselves into like, you know, trouble and stuff like that. I don't know. I I don't know, but (laughs)
0: if I had to pick a duck duck and not to go – I know we are in total crazy land right now, but if I had to pick a duck – I'll, I think I'd want to be the the rich duck on Ducktales.
1: Oh my gosh, Ducktales! Yeah, yes.
0: Yeah, yeah. The, the, now, the, the, now, now you're duck- talking duck- to my inner really,
1: child, right there, man.
0: Yeah, that's right. You now, now we're pegged. We're the uh, we're the early uh, 80s, right? So this yeah, is the, the perfect
1: podcast. We're we're starting it off with pulp co- pop culture references, and you know, and and now and now we're gonna we're gonna go into our fun topics. We're gonna talk about Carvana because who doesn't ah. want to talk about Carvana? I mean, I gotta I be honest with you. Carvana, I love man. them because they, for me as a podcaster and a content creator, they have been right. a source of content creation for me for years. So I have, I have to say, Carvana, thank you, all yes. right, for just being you because yes. you let I, I can make hundreds and hundreds of videos and people still want to hear about it. But no, nah, man, I want to get your take. What's up with Carvana? What are you thinking?
0: oh my gosh, man, well listen, where, where do we unpack it, right? I mean, if you go all the way back to the beginning, I gotta tell you, when I started seeing the, well, I, I used to call them like the, the, they weren't leaning towers, but I used to call them the the tower of pieces, right? The glass tower of pieces off the highway. Um, and I was like, man, what, what is this company doing? What are they gonna sell 10 cars out of this vending machine? Um, <laughs> So I just, you know, never understood the model until, you know, you finally started, uh, you know, seeing what they were doing. And and listen, it it made sense, right? If if you think about Carvana, I think you got to go back to the beginning. They, I wrote, I wrote about this, Jason, in, in one of my responses on LinkedIn. And, you know, what they really did, man, is they, they capitalized in our auto industry business, not necessarily in the things that the auto industry was doing right, but they found the areas that we were doing wrong and they put their proverbial, foot in the door and once they had that crack they kicked it wide open and and customers were ready for that right they were ready for a different way to do business um online right and i think that that's what they did it's they, they they proverbially kicked the door open in our industry
1: oh dude in a huge way 100 i couldn't couldn't agree with you more um uh, look i i like I said, I had nothing but appreciation for them. You know, like I, I, I think when you swing for the fences, you you, you 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 really lean back and you swing hard, right? And 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 I got to be honest with you, uh, car vending machines is kind of in line with the crazy crap that I kind of like to do in the first place. So I probably would have been one of the first people there saying, "Hey, I got an idea." Um,
0: well, <laughs> <it's-> <laughs> I mean, with, with with little branding power, right? I mean, that was a hack, right? I mean, let's think about it. 100%. These towering glass, these towering glass vending machines, right? And in 34 cities, right? And and they got their start 10 years ago, um, and their whole goal, right, was to set out and transform this antiquated industry of of used cars. And um, if you think about it, right, it's it, the mantra in the industry, right? In my background, shoot, man, I, between you and I, and now everybody else listening. Um, I started selling cars when I was 16 years old and had my first photo taking business um, for eBay. This was before auction one, two, three. Um, Believe it or not, I probably was the first one doing it. Right. I was scanning Polaroids. So, you know, I saw this happen. And but the mantra that we consistently saw with the industry was we had what we felt was this very this mindset of, hey, we've got the product, we've got the inventory, we've got the supply, you're the customer, you're going to do it our way. If it isn't broke, don't fix it. Well,
1: yes and no, right? Like, I mean, I like breaking things. You know, right. I mean, I I personally do. I, I think things are always kind of ready for disruption. And, you know, look, uh, look, Put aside the name, because I think our industry has associated them with maybe some bad advertising and poking fun at our industry, which I that's think right. honestly was one of their downfalls. That was
0: one of their downfalls. I
1: think, I think they could have really tried to be a part of the industry rather than being an outliner of the industry, uh, right. because I, I think what they were attempting to do for the customer experience is phenomenal, right? It was. It's, it's the Amazon. You know, it's like, right. I mean, I don't know about you, man. It's the holidays. So, I mean, how many Amazon boxes do you have outside your house right
0: now? Oh, right. Literally, I just got like five of them yesterday. So, I, have, I probably have two of them sitting outside right now. I have three sitting in the front door. It's exactly, exactly right.
1: It's such an amazing experience. I get, I, I, I get the picture, you know, like, hey, the package is there. You know, it's like, I, I, I see something. I can read. I can feel connected to it. I can read reviews of it. I can watch videos about it. And then I'm like, yeah, I, I, I want to purchase it. And then it gets there, and the jacket doesn't fit, and I can send it back. And there's just this such a high level of frictionless, um, of high level of of yeah, friction of, of less friction in that process and that's what carbon was doing and i had to applaud him i think that the experience was great you know but yeah. i think there were some financial mistakes what's what do you think
0: well yeah no i i agree right and i think you know um From a very high level, if you think about exactly what they were attempting to accomplish, right, you know, uh, create this online marketplace that allows customers to buy and sell their cars throughout the country um, and either delivering the cars to the buyer's home or allowing pickup at the vending machines, um, allowing this tryout period for them to test drive the vehicles. You know, all of that stuff makes sense. Um, I I think that the flaw, right, was really the logistical um, infrastructure of it. And one of the things that we really have to give kudos and props to our dealers out there. Right. Um, mm. And look, I, I took, I took my shot at being a dealer. I had a used car store. It's not easy, man. It's extremely mm. difficult. And I'm going to tell you, um, you know, making sure that you've got, you know, all of your compliance and all of your documentation and delivering the temp tags and being able to, you know, put all of that process in place. Um, it, it's hard in a local market, let alone trying to accomplish that from a national um you know, system. And I think that, you know, when you think about that, um, you have all different MBAs, BMVs, motor vehicle laws, and have to, uh, you know, then you're giving these temp tags, temp tags are, you know, going to get expired, then they have to make sure they're getting the titles. Uh, The problem was, unlike Amazon, where it's consumer packaged goods to the household, right? We are in a situation where this is a car. You know, this is a car with a lot of process, a lot of paperwork, a lot of, you know, potential issues, reconditioning, um, you know, and and that put a lot of customers in some weird spots. Um, and I'm not sure if they were properly registered um with a lot of that stuff. And so a lot of times they kept putting temporary plates on cars just to keep them on the road. And some buyers couldn't find that they couldn't even legally drive the cars. And it's just that that swarm of um, you know, infrastructure of policy and red tape think caused them a lot of problems
1: look you're 100 right i mean i started a a bdc or what we called an internet department right in 2003 all right in new mexico and we were drop shipping you know corvettes to dubai and sending duallys to alaska um and i say that but then i forget to mention this at times that there was only seven other states i could do this with out of all 50 states, there were only seven other states, and I had to have and and I had to have um, uh, someone on site, a notary, all right, that would meet the owner and the vehicle at that time to get notarized. And there was only a handful of states I could actually do do this with, you know. Um, but it, yeah, I mean, it's look, look, they they took a swing at it. Um, you know, the funny thing is, I don't think Carvana is dead. I don't, I, 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 you know, I really don't. I, I think, you know, Carvana is uh, I would say uh, cocooning themselves. All right. Like they're kind of okay. sucking, sucking back in a little bit. They're sucking back in the resources they are sucking back in kind of their marketing decisions and That's some true. logistics. And I think what you're going to see come out of it, I think potentially could be a leaner, meaner version, you know, or they just don't come out of the cocoon at all you know one of two things are going to happen right they're, they're sucking themselves back in they're creating this cocoon around themselves all right Either they're going to come out as a butterfly or they're going to come out just dead it's going to yeah. be one of those two things but i don't think carbon is dead yet i still think we there's still a play there's still an opportunity for them to kind of evolve um and i think it's gonna be interesting to see if they do it but what are your thoughts you think they'll do it
0: it, it's a it's it's gonna to be tough man it's gonna be they're very high they're, they're what I, I would call very high default risk um and i think it's it's going to be very hard for for them to be able to redeem themselves um but yeah it's possible right we don't know if they're gonna go the chapter 11 route yet or not um but here's what's interesting right um yahoo i think this morning uh released an article and you know rated them as literally the worst company of the year for 2022
1: um can you imagine, like, just if someone said that about you, what would you do?
0: Oh, my gosh, man. Being the worst. Well, it, it's it's even worse, right? Because you started off as the best company in the year. So it's, I think it's even worse to think, okay, you came in the year rushing through the pandemic as one of the top, you know, companies. Um, you barrel into 2022 on top, and then you you, you come out the back door. of 2023 is the worst. That's rough, man. Um, and, and look at it this way, right? It's, it's cash burn rate is so high that I'm not sure... Um, if they're going to be able to to, to really form a stable, persistent um, yeah, profitability, and with their negative free cash flow, um, it, it's consistently falling short. The other issue, I think, Jason, that really kind of makes me wonder if they can pull out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we should talk about it, right? Was the very, um, as the article calls it, a very ill-timed deal with the Odessa acquisition? Oh my
1: gosh! Can you like? Okay, let's just take a second here, right? Like, I just want to be a fly on the wall when this decision was made, right? Like, you're all you're like, I, I, I just there. Okay, your stock prices are dropping. All right, you're burning more money than you ever have before. You're pretty much in free fall. Okay, so picture this you're in a jet, you're in free fall, and someone's like, I got an idea.
0: Yeah, well, and look, and here's here it is. Well, and so, so as as a CEO myself, right, look at it this way I'm thinking, um, Look at how the proposition probably came to them. Um, guys, see, yeah. we are we are swarmed with red tape right now. Um, we're facing multiple state suspensions. Um, we don't have the logistical transportation, um, you know, to be able to get these cars to and from. We don't have the infrastructure to recondition the vehicles in a way that makes, you know, any type of scalable um, operation. So I, I think from the surface level details, not looking at it from the financial execution side of it. Uh, good point. It made it made sense, right? From a business standpoint, it made sense. Hey, we can get to probably same day shipping. Um, we can literally have these micro uh, auction locations that we can actually store the vehicles, right? So that becomes your transportation hub, Amazon type transportation model. Then you got to think, oh, wow, these things already have built in reconditioning um, opportunities. And then three, right? If there's a, a way to absorb a revenue stream from an auction, if dealers will buy from us, we don't know that yet. But hey, we'll, 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 we'll Bet on that. We will bet on the fact that maybe dealers will buy from us at the auction. Um, mm-hmm. and that could be another, you know, opportunity for some cash flow. Th- then basically at that point, it's like, hey, maybe we can bail ourselves out of this. So I think it was a really bad deal that was knee-jerk and emotional at best, which put them it, into a yeah, really- let's
1: call it what it is. It felt like a Hail Mary.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was right.
1: it was it was literally that look, they're 15 yards or 15 yards from it. They're not gonna punt. All right, they're gonna go for it. A full-on hail mary. It's got it, it less than thirty seconds left in the fourth quarter. All right. If they don't do something, they're going to be judged for not doing anything. So that, that this, I look, I get in the position that they were in, right? Because if yeah. they didn't do something, they're going to be a hundred percent thrown to the wolves. With the fact that they didn't do anything. Yeah. So here comes. They're lining back. They're lining back. They throw the hail mary. And yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> and, and to finance that deal, if you you know if you know anything about the deal with the Odessa deal, they financed uh, three billion dollars at over ten percent interest to already a massively debt-ridden company, which nearly triples. Uh, I think it triples their 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 debt. Um. So you know, listen, I, I don't know how they're going to claw the debt without being able to file bankruptcy. Um. They're they're in a complete to your point free fall. Um, I think they sold 425,000 cars and now we're going into this inflation. I mean, they're, they're hedged up against all sides of of the market right now. It's going to be tough. They're going to need to raise more money. Yeah. They're going to need to raise more money somehow, some way. that's, that's the way they're gonna have to get out of this.
1: I agree. I think they 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 got one more. I think they got one more shot. I think they got one more shot. And like I said, I think they have to look, I, I think they have a great concept. I think it's, it can be an amazing customer experience, but I think they're going to have to, they're gonna to have to figure this out. Like they get one, one more crack, maybe, maybe they're gonna get one more crack. I don't know, right? Like I said, they're going to the cocoon mode. Let's see if they actually come out of it or not. But hey, on the flip side of that, on like the polar yes. opposite opposite of that, right? Yes. I want to talk about pizza. Um yeah. I like pizza, by the way. Um love, well,
0: listen, I'm consistently a weekly pizza eater. I'm I eat pizza every single week. Thursdays, by the way. Thursday's pizza day.
1: Is, is Thursday so, pizza? Okay, you know what's funny? Because my family does the same. It's Wednesday nights for us. Wednesday is it, nights pizza night for us, and it's we just. Can it's,
0: do a survey of how many people out there have a daily, weekly, consistent pizza night.
1: I, I think people would be surprised that it's a lot more than they actually think of. But, like, um, we, the reason I want to bring up pizza, not just because people must be listening or watching this and going, God, these guys go squirrel really easily. I mean, they just went from talking about Carvana and now they're talking about their weekly pizza nights. Uh, yeah. But let's, we'll, we'll explain to the audience why we're talking about pizza. Specifically, we're talking about Pizza Hut. Uh, because they have done something recently and, uh, you actually posted an article about it and I read it and I was just like, look, we got to chat about this because oh. I think if you really break down what pizza hut has done, there are so many things that we can learn and, uh, bits and pieces that we can take and put into our own operational strategies. But I'll, I'll let you kind of take it. Give us the gist of what pizza hut is doing right now.
0: Well, you know, here's the deal. Just like a lot of brands, um, you know, I, I really truly believe, you know, it's it's my thesis, um, our thesis that 2023 and beyond is is really going to be the year of the data. I think you've 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 heard more and more about you know, first party, um, you've heard about cookie lists, right? You've heard about Flock, you know, Google's, you know, taking cookies, all of the things that it's really leading brands to start to look at understanding their first party data um well just like every other brands you know pizza hut is looking at where they can start to understand how to use their data layer to help drive incremental sales um and so you know really interesting um article came out today talking about how they've leaned into a first-party strategy to help drive those sales and and it's it's fascinating to me because it's what we've been talking about um on and on and on which is not just Brands that are as big as Pizza Hut, but you know, car dealers, you know, local businesses, retails, mm-hmm. we have to start looking at what what I call the in reach, um, our in-reach audience. You know, for for the last 20, 20, 30 years that you know, internet, you know, marketing's been out there, we've always Jason focused on outreach, right? Let's go out that's and buy outreach,
1: conscious acquisition, yes, 100 yes, percent
0: That's right. And 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 what that audience strategy looked like to acquire you know audiences has evolved and changed, right? But today, right now, it's it's more than ever super important for brands to look inside of their businesses and find ways to build audiences, right? From their customers, right? And then they can use those customers to then, you know, take that first party data um, to segment those out to help build marketing strategies and drive those sales um, through the digital pathways. Um, and so Pizza Hut's been, been able to do that successfully. And it's really it's really interesting how they're doing that, specifically from a CTV and an OTT standpoint.
1: Well, but also I think the reason why they're doing it, right? Um, you know, they're, they're doing it this is an interesting thing. You know, you're starting to see a lot more companies understand that marketing uh, affects the overall experience more than anything. See, I, th- I think for the longest time, a lot of people can assume marketing is as just being the acquisition portion. And then right. once I kind of get them, once they've made an inquiry, now it's my responsibility to create the experience from that point. Oh, right. no. What we're saying here is no, the experience starts with the marketing. That's right. And, 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 when, and when we talk about experience, like really what, what makes up an experience, right? And I think what makes up an experience is, 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 um, how personalized it is to me as an individual. Like, like if the, if I feel like the company knows me, you know, like I'm gonna give you an example because I love the pizza hut app. Like I truly do. And yeah. I know this is a little different than what we're talking about, but I'm just, okay. So I go to book a service with my, my car dealership, my truck. I don't know what it is. There's a battery problem. It's covered under warranty. So they're doing that. But I had to, I had to make an appointment, right? Right. I had to fill out four pages of information and I'm just like, how the, you need my name, my first name, my VIN number, my phone number, my email address, my mailing address, my uh, my secondary phone number, all right, like what my problems are, what my vehicle mileage is. And I'm just like, I'm just going. I bought a $55,000 vehicle from you. Right. I go to Pizza Hut. Go to Pizza Hut app. First thing pops up, goes, hey, this is what you ordered last time, Mr. Harris. Did you want to order that again?
0: Yep, yep it's it's becoming relationship driven, right? It's people-based marketing and that's where we really have to get to. And I think um, that's gonna be the differential uh, as to how we continue to progress when it comes to, to data, right? Uh, today, you know, we're still in this world where it's like, hey, let's go out and, and buy these audiences. They haven't engaged with us. We don't know much about them. We can get down to what we think is the right demography, the right psychography, um, the right uh, household composition. Um, but to your point, when you have that understanding of who that customer is and then you have the understanding of what that customer is about that experience, right. Goes through the roof, which means your re-engagement is going to be in an uptick.
1: It's, 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 it's huge. I mean, why, why, why treat me like a stranger when you know that I'm not, you know? Um, right. and, and, and I think I look, I look, I think for a lot of dealerships out there that may be watching or listening right now and you know, are becoming more data conscious, um, yeah. I think our industry in general is becoming more data conscious. Like, um, you know, I, I definitely see this next generation of dealer principals um, who were, who were raised around, uh, a data and what can, and, and what can and can't be done and how scary and how great it can be all in the same bit of They're becoming more conscious of how they use their dealerships data, but combining that with additional data to create better experiences. But it's no longer this thought process that the experience starts at the dealership the experience starts way before the dealership.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, if you take this and you let's, let's bring this into the dealer world for a second, mm-hmm. right? So the same way that Pizza Hut now can say, Hey, um, we've got this ability to harvest mine and and pull out our first party data and understand a customer that's ordered, um, whatever in the last 30 days. Right. Then they can market to that person accordingly. Right. So just transpose the industry here. Um, I now am an automotive dealer and I have a, a customer that comes into my service, right? Drive. And I now have an understanding of what that customer service was. And if they've done business with me in the last 30, 60, and maybe it's a little longer because, hey, you're not going to you know reposition brakes or tires in front of that customer within 30 days. But that doesn't change the fact that you need to understand that customer's purchase journey. You need to understand that customer's historical journey. And then you need to be able to understand how you can re-engage that person accordingly to their makeup, right? Into what they're doing in terms of their journey, in terms of their vehicle ownership, and then how you can, from a laser focused standpoint, put that into a digital pathway or an offline pathway that is relevant and meaningful. And and, and I'll, I'll take it one step further. Let's talk about relevant and meaningful for a second. How many times do we have DMS systems or even CRM systems that are still having household addresses to a Jason Harris 123 Main Street for a house you lived at 3 years ago um yeah. and, uh, and and let's say they're still emailing you or mailing you about your recall for your 2011 Lexus IS250 that you sold 6 cars ago. Yep. That still happens today.
1: Uh, so, I still get I I still get notifications for let's see we bought it was a nissan versa that we bought in 2010 and uh to this day because it's kind of an ongoing joke i know the dealer principal because we were friends and stuff like that and i bought it for my wife it was a temporary vehicle to get around because we're waiting for another vehicle to come in and uh i still get email notifications that the vehicle is due for service
0: yeah yeah so 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 super not personalized and and super not effective and uh definitely uh not very good return on ad spend um and roas um i think that you know Jason, what, what's interesting to me about the the year what i what i i'm going to call 2023 the year of data for, for auto. i think it really is i think it's for most businesses the year of data right where um, you know your early adopters. You know understood data back in 2017, 18, 19. Started adopting a philosophy in 2020, 2021. Here we are, where it's unavoidable. Sticking your head in the sand will not work. Um, we're to that point now, where I believe 100%. You know automotive dealers will be talking about data. They will be defining a data strategy, and then they're going to want to figure out how they can dip their toe into this you know big data scary world. Um, and I think the one thing that I, I'll say here, and I think that you know, hopefully you'd love to get your take on this, but it's not as scary and as crazy as it sounds, it's back to the basics, right? It's We were talking about this, I believe last time we met, we were talking about this, right? Which was keeping your notes of your customer.
1: Yeah, it's, it's something that simple.
0: It's really that simple, right? It's like the good salespeople back in the day, right? Jason, you walk into the dealership and be like, oh, Jason Harris uh, likes to play tennis. Um, he's married, has three kids. Um, and, you know, he's he's uh, he, he he loves to, you know, uh, fly remote control airplanes. And so maybe the next time you're walking in there, maybe you don't buy something, but you're in there for service you'd be like, hey, man, you know, how's the family? Have you, you taken that plane out uh, and, and flown it around, right? Now you're having that personalized conversation, that experience with that customer, we're not talking about anything much differently here, except that you're doing that from a data strategy as opposed to a old school Rolodex strategy.
1: Well, and, and look, I think examples like that uh, will help a lot of our dealerships kind of better understand the importance of it. I mean, I'll I'll get, I'll give you another one, right. You know, going back to service Um, you know, we used to keep notes on how our service customers took their coffee. I did, I did something that really pissed off my, my, uh, my team is i actually took my coffee machine away from the front right so i took it away and i actually put it back behind where the advisors were so customers <laughs> couldn't get to the coffee machine by themselves
0: uh, they had to go ask for it. My,
1: my way of making a, a process commitment that we were going to bring the coffee to you you weren't going to have to do it yourself so it was something as simple as like oh i see uh uh let's see. Uh, one cream, two sugar, right? And just kind of reaching around behind them, hitting the machine, boop, 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 boop. Okay, it it was done, right? But just that simple acknowledgement of like, hey, I know
0: you. I I know know you, I know you, right? And that's that's the key, man. We have to get to a world where we are treating our our customer data, our audience data in that way, where it's relationship-based, it's relationship-driven. You know, customer data and customer privacy are becoming top of mind. Um, And so for for consumers, right, the way you're going to combat that is you're going to have to make it relevant, you're going to have to make it about that customer, you're going to have to make it about understanding who they are, and having the 360 degree snapshot of what's relevant to me, and and, and what what makes, you know, my life, you know, important, and how you as a business are going to be, you know, meaningful to that.
1: Well, and look, I think it also kind of goes into our next topic around audience building, right? I'm going to give you a story about audience building that if I had the opportunity to just, how do we map this? Okay, so I had Mr. Sanchez. Mr. Sanchez bought a Mitsubishi Outlander from me, Mm -hmm. bought two Lancers from me for his kids, and he bought a, uh, what was it at the time? Oh, it would have been a Mitsubishi Eclipse as well for his wife. So he had four vehicles now. Mr. Sanchez also had two brothers and both of them, and I can't remember the both of their names at this time, but both of them came in and almost equally bought equally as many cars. Okay? okay. So I had four over here. So I'm talking about almost 12 cars from a single individual. Right. But you know, if you think about the way that we look at data right now, like our CRMs would have just chosen these as three entirely different clients. Okay. So I'll give you an example. I'm off. Okay. Mr. Sanchez comes in and uh, brings in uh, his niece. His niece wants to buy a Mitsubishi Lancer. Right. And uh, my team negotiates the deal and doesn't agree to an offer and sends right. Mr. Sanchez away. Hmm. And in, in when we're recapping the next day, you know, I'm telling him, like, okay, well, what happened? Oh, I said, so, so we were $278 away. That's how far it was. And my team wow. was proud They were proud that they, you know, stuck it to our guns. We professionally said no. We maintained our profitability, boss, just like you told us we should. I said, guys, that's great. That's great. But do you know who Mr. Sanchez is? You know, and I'm like, well, wait a second. He's like, what do you mean? And I start pulling up these accounts because I knew them, right? Because there was no system to show this. First, I pulled up service. First thing I did was pull up his service records for the last five years. And I said, look at this. (laughs) <laughs> they were like, oh my god, you spent that much money servicing cars with us. I said, Yeah, that's just him. Let me pull up his yep. brother real quick. I pulled up his brother's account. Then I pull up his other brother's account, right? And then I look at like yep. this family has almost 13 cars from us. Yeah. You let him walk for $276. Was that yeah. a data-driven decision?
0: No, absolutely not. Like, like, that's the problem, man. It's it's the it's the it's the communication pathways that, right. that break down right and this is the challenge i mean what you're talking about is a is a major challenge and not just auto but in all industries and so 100%. what i love what you're talking about here right and you know i can't do this with my fingers but i'll you know listen if you think about in the world of data you hear a bunch of buzzwords right you hear about a customer data platform you hear about a customer relationship management tool you hear about a customer experience a cxm platform um If you if you listen to the keywords there, right, all of those are are driven by the word customer, which means after the fact, Mr. Sanchez is a customer. Right. But before Mr. Sanchez is a customer, you know, he's a potential intender. Right. He's part of an audience. Um, So you've got two things going on here. So so put the audience to the side for a second. Going back to this Mr. Sanchez, uh, you know, situation here. Your your CRM yeah, might have his information and might have some notes and details, but it's not necessarily communicating back with the data linkages oh. of the service. And it's not communicating back with the data linkages of understanding the household composition of exactly, Mr. Sanchez. because Those
1: purchases were done underneath his, right. his, his son and his daughter's name and then the wife's name. So if I pulled him up, it only look like he owned one vehicle.
0: Right right and 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 this is where that linkage stuff that linkage has to happen and you got to under you know really have that and when when we talk about the 360 degree view of these customers this is exactly what we're talking about right a world where as these individuals engaging on your business or on your website and as they continue to go through their journey and they get through certain segments and areas within the pathways of their journey Um, and, and not necessarily talking about post customer at this point, but even just in the journey, right? And let's say they get to a VDP or let's say they get to the oil change offer. You need a mechanism that then communicates back and says, hey, this individual has gotten to this point of this journey. Here's who this individual is. This individual then maps back to all of the important information that's relevant about that customer. So then you can then make either automated decisioning towards how you can remarket or market to that person or manual decisioning as to how you want to re-engage that customer. Um, And it's never going to be perfect Jason at this point, but we got to get better at that, right? Understanding how to be consistent across the channels, how we can be consistent across our approach. And how we can be consistent as to how we we measure um, the attribution and, and how that engagement is happening.
1: I, I look it, consistency is the key, right? Yes. And look, I don't think anybody's got it figured out yet. You know, if I if I use the story that I kind of just described of, you know, these tremendous amount of missing data links, right? Yep. Like, I mean, I I knew it because I I had the data in my head, like I I had the I had the picture the the the, the customer map in my head. But there was no system to kind of put one on one to one together. But once you laid it out, you know, my team was easy to go, oh, holy crap, you're right. You know um but but this look this is the exciting stuff this is the exciting part this is what we're talking about right this is where this is where we're going guys if you're out there watching and listening right now all right this is the direction that the entire industry is going it's just about becoming more and more data conscious in our marketing efforts more and more data conscious in our operation efforts and our servicing efforts and our loyalty efforts and just amazing things are going to happen look I'm so excited for our industry because I think like I said we're becoming more and more data conscious we're, we're moving in the right direction I know we're at the tw- the tail end of our conversation, conversation but we could easily probably go another hour or so but yeah,
0: we'll, this is why we're going to continue to do the coffee chat exactly
1: this is why we're going to do the coffee okay, chat
0: oj and coffee oj and coffee oj and
1: coffee, oh, OJ and coffee. i'll drink OJ. the coffee he'll drink the oj uh hey for everyone out there watching listening right now thank you so much for taking the time to jam with us uh, if you'd love to connect with me please check out strategy with uh, you can find out anything and everything to do with uh, uh, what, what 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 we're about and what we're able to offer dealerships Albert for yourself what's the best way to connect
0: um yeah absolutely you can you can reach out on uh, driveniq.com or um, LinkedIn you can connect with me on LinkedIn or email me at albertdriveniq.com.
1: thanks everyone you guys have a wonderful day Thank you thanks Jason.